Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. Welcome to another Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in 30 presented by Ohio Health. Ohio Health, who presents the entire Blue Jackets training camp, which is going into its final week starting today. And the Blue Jackets preseason schedule continues tonight. They'll be in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. And the puck will drop at 7 o'clock. Our pregame coverage starts at 645 on the flagship station of the Blue Jackets radio network, 97.1 The Fan. Hope you had a good lunch. I know I did. Little Jets pizza, baby. Little half-price Jets pizza that I got yesterday after the win over the Washington Capitals on Saturday night. So leftover pizza, nothing like it, to really get the middle of your day fortified. That's what I say. So the Blue Jackets uh, doing well in the preseason. Big win on Saturday night, as I just said. Uh, grinded it out against the Washington Capitals. 2-1 to one was the final score in that game. And uh, the Blue Jackets continue to mix and match personnel, which they will do again tonight in Carolina. Big night tonight for a couple of reasons. Cole Sillinger is coming back into the mix for the Blue Jackets. And he hasn't played in any of these games. He's been out uh, the first week or so of training camp with an injury. So he gets back in there tonight. And um, he's going to play with his brother Owen in the same game. His older brother Owen. They're going to play together in this game tonight. They're both just jacked about it. They are excited as well they should be. So uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun, no doubt about that. All right, if you'd like to be a speaker, if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces, you can just go ahead and request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you on to the show. In the meantime, I've got some questions all set and ready to go, so uh, I'll get to some of those while you decide whether or not you want to be a part of the show on Twitter Spaces. Charlie Go has the first question that he has sent to me on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports. Charlie says, will there be a new assistant captain named with Bjorkstrand gone, and who are the contenders? I think that there would be, Charlie. And as far as the contenders go, I the two guys that I think are most likely, Vladislav Gavrikov, who wore a letter at times last year when somebody was out of the lineup with an injury. And I could also see Cole Sillinger winding up with a letter because you have a young leadership group and Boone Jenner and Zach Wierenski, and, but there's now that other level. There's the, there's the next generation, if you will, uh, the next level of young players, and that will be led by Cole Sillinger. So... Um, he's a guy that's beyond his years when it comes to maturity anyway. Could you put the letter on him and have him be effective? I think that you absolutely positively could. So those are the two guys that I say would be the best bets to get an A put on their sweater or jersey uh, for the upcoming season. Jody says, Justin Richards has stood out and would make a nice addition to the Monsters. Eric Robinson has been typical and not stood out, and I was shocked that Emil Bemstrom finally showed some flash. I don't know where that flash is. I guess maybe it's the game that he scored a goal, but um, uh, but anyway. Justin Richards, you know, in in this camp on a tryout, great story. His dad, his dad was the head coach of the Blue Jackets, of course, Todd Richards, and so he gets the opportunity to come in here. And, yeah, he's done some things, and, and I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I will tell you this. The Cleveland Monsters are going to have a better team this year. One way or another, they're going to have a better team. They're going to have more prospects in their lineup for the first time in a long time. So uh, we'll see We'll see what happens with that. But, um, you know, Eric Robinson, does he have to stand out? Has he already made this team? It's a good question. Uh, I think that 
I think he has to stand out a little bit more. Not that he's gotten as many opportunities to play as some other guys have gotten to play. But I, I think he's got to stand out more. For Bemstrom, I know he had the goal, and I know he's gotten to play a lot. And I'm sure he's getting to play a lot, and he's in a lot of games because they have to make some kind of a decision on him. And, uh, again, I I just see I see other guys that, that are pushing harder. I'm not making the decisions, but I see other guys that are pushing harder. Speaking of that, Brian Wallace has this question. It's a two-part question. He says, does Carson Meyer make the roster – he has really played well. He has, and this is part of what I'm talking about here because, to me, uh, Carson Meyer is battling with Emil Bemstrom. I think that's a direct head-to-head competition. I thought Carson Meyer was going to be battling maybe with Justin Danforth, but that's not even in the neighborhood. Justin Danforth has been head and shoulders above so many guys in this camp. I think he's safe. Not that he wasn't safe going in. I know he's on a one-way contract and all that stuff, but I'm just saying he has come into this camp and he has been noticeable. He has made a difference. He's played the wing. He's played at center. He's played a number of games. He's playing again tonight. I just think he's been very good. So um, for Bemstrom, if it was going to be a head-to-head with Danforth, then he would have lost that head-to-head, in my opinion. But Carson Meyer has played so very well, so very well. He is just the prototypical player that understands exactly what the organization is asking of him. He understands it to a T. There's no doubt about it. They want him to play a certain way. If he's going to make the National Hockey League, there's a certain way he has to play, and he's doing it. Every time they put him on the ice, he's doing it. So I was having this conversation this morning at the morning skate, and my question was, how do you not put Carson Meyer on this team? If you're going to talk about earning your spot, if you're going to talk about um, doesn't matter what your contract status is, if you earn the spot, you're going to get the spot. And it's not over yet. There's still a couple of games left. I understand. I get it. But what kind of a message are you sending? If you were to make the choice today, if you had to make a final roster cut today, and if Carson Meyer is not on the final roster, what kind of a message is that? Because he's done all of those things. He's played hard. He worked out hard in the summer. He came in here ready to go. He did great in his testing. Brad Larson keeps talking about all the guys that were off the charts in the testing. He loves the testing. He's all into it. You know, gone are the days where the guys come in, fatten out of shape, and then they kind of work their way into some kind of shape during the season. No, that's gone. You got to be ready to go. You have to put the work in during the summer. Carson has done that. Now he's putting the work in in camp. Now he's putting the work in in the games. And he, oh, by the way, happens to have three preseason goals. The goal he got the other night against the Capitals was really just a great example. He's playing with Sean Corrali and Matthew Olivier. And, you know, Corrali is trying to hit him with a pass and partially fans on the pass. But Meyer didn't give up on the play. He just kept on coming. He got a half stride there on Nick Dowd, the centerman for the Capitals. He was the first guy to the puck, and he scored. Didn't quit. That's the point. He didn't quit on the play. He hasn't quit on himself. Now, remember, last year he came up. There was, uh, there was a possibility that uh, Patrick Line wouldn't play when the team was in Buffalo. He had a nagging injury. He was going to be a game-time decision. Carson was called up from Cleveland, took the morning skate in Buffalo while Line did not, and then had the carpet pulled out from under him before the game because Line was able to play, and he got sent right back to the Monsters. And at that point, 
any human is wondering, will I get another chance? And Carson Meyer was no different. Will I get another chance? Or was this as close as I will ever get to the National Hockey League? But he got that chance later in the season, and he made the most of it. And then he went out, and he busted his tail during the offseason, and now he's doing it again. So does he make the roster? I don't know if he will or he won't. I know there are players that will have to clear waivers to go to the American Hockey League, and there would be a fear that some of them would be taken by another organization and that all of that stuff will play in. I know it will. To an extent, it will. But Carson Meyer, in my opinion, has put himself in quite a spot. He has put himself in quite a good spot to have a chance to be on this roster on opening night. Second half of Brian's question says, I had Chinikov as a player I thought could break out. Is that a realistic thought? Okay, here's another guy based on the preseason. Again, you look at what the Blue Jackets have and what they are going to have for the season. Johnny Gaudreau coming in creates more competition on the wing. You know Gaudreau and Line are going to play together. You figure that Voracek and Nyquist are going to play together. You figure that Kent Johnson is going to wind up on this roster and will probably be as a winger. You think that Kirill Marchenko, after a couple of years in the KHL, is going to come over here and find a spot. Okay, now you do the math. That's three lines worth of wingers already filled up. So where does Chinikov fit in? Does he fit in on the fourth wing or on the fourth wing? The fourth line? Or where does he where does he wind up? Well, all he's doing is going out there and scoring goals. He's got three goals. He had two in St. Louis the other night. He had one against Washington. They're good goals, but he's doing other things away from the puck. And it's the other things away from the puck that is going to help him to get a job just as much as putting the puck in the net. Yes, he could have a breakout season. I think he's way more comfortable in this camp. Last year, he was a young guy coming over from Russia. Didn't have it figured out. And to an extent, he still doesn't have it figured out, but he has a lot more figured out than he did last year. So I like how he's played, and I think he's, uh, again, I think he's in a good spot. He's making it tough on the management when they make the final decisions to uh, figure out who's going to be on this team when the regular season begins. All right, let's go to Twitter spaces. Jonathan, patiently waiting to get on here and ask a question. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, wanted to start off just real quick. I got to be at the first preseason game, and I thought it was really cool to look at the line of – Johnson, Goudreau, and Line playing together because I have a feeling that that could be a line we see for years to come. Well, so, yeah. I thought yeah. that was pretty fun. Yeah, that, that, that was really fun. I don't know if we're going to see it soon, but we're going to see it eventually. I agree, yeah. Um, so then my question, I know obviously you've been talking a lot about uh, the wingers and everything, um, and obviously that's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But I'm still also interested in the D. I know last week you talked some about uh, Blankenberg, you know, kind of making some good impressions here and there. Hard to tell how good because of the competition level and whatnot. Um, but my, but I'm really curious because I really like the guy because I've got a penchant for undersized, scrappy players, as many of us in Columbus do. So, do you think that the potential upside of him versus a good Branson might mean that those two guys might rotate some? Because I have struggled to think that they're going to either of those will eclipse Boquist or probably Peak. What about Bean? Uh, I I mean, again, Bean's the kind of guy that I just still feel like I never see anything particularly 
exciting for, which, again, on a third pair, maybe you never care about seeing anything exciting, but he seems replaceable, if that makes sense. Well, it does make sense, because that's what I'm asking you. You said you can't see him eclipsing a Boquist or a Peak, but you didn't include sure. Jake Bean in your in your sentence. That's, that's true. I, I guess because I was, I'm thinking both of them being right shot, but I guess they probably would be likely to potentially move one of them to the left side. And that's where uh, Nick's going to play tonight. He's going to play on the left side with uh, Good Branson, and I don't think that's by accident. Sure. You know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I, I've been really excited to see what Blankenberg's brought, especially just being able to be a, basically a free agent signing out of college. I think it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Um, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and you got to root for him. And last year when he came in here, he did nothing but make you want to root for him. So I, I totally get it. I understand. So I I think he's got – I think he's got a good shot of being in the top six. And, you know, that's where he would wind up, in my opinion. He'd be on that third pair with Good Branson. Absolutely. And then uh, as far as the forwards go, one quick thing. Yeah. Do you see just Olivier being just kind of like a, a perpetually scratched kind of player that just is brought in for the specific games that you might need that toughness? Because I haven't seen anything so far that looks like he's better than any other option on the fourth line other than the physicality. Well, you haven't, but Brad Larson has. I talked to him about this the other day briefly, and he really likes his game. You and I are waiting for this guy to fight because he was brought in to fight, right? But mm, uh, yeah. and, well, he can't find anybody to go because everybody knows how tough he is and, and there hasn't been anybody in any teams that have played against the Blue Jackets. Uh, nobody wants to get their clock cleaned, I guess, to this point. So uh, there are a lot of other things he has to do, but uh, Brad Larson likes how he protects the puck. He likes how he forechecks. Uh, he likes just his uh, presence being there and what it does for his team. Um, I don't know that he'll play every game, but I also don't know that he will go weeks at a time without playing. I could see him being a guy that is rotated in and out on the fourth line based upon the opponent, based upon how he's playing, and based on the other guys that are in the same role, how they happen to be playing at the time. That's what I think will happen to him. Sure. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Bob. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Really appreciate it. If you want to be on this uh, Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ30 presented by Ohio Health, all you have to do is request to be a speaker on Twitter Spaces, and I will put you in. Let's stay with the uh, Blankenberg thing here because uh, I have a, a couple of things. He is very popular again today. Seems like he's been popular every week since camp has started. Uh, the good Reverend Rodriguez has sent me this. He goes, I see a lot of upside to Blankenberg, but it seems like uh, he might be getting looked over for some of the young and highly drafted defense prospects. What are you noticing as it pertains to the organization's consideration of number 77 as a potential part of the NHL roster. And as a follow-up, what do you personally see for the future of Blankenberg? Do you have him on the Blue Jackets NHL roster developing more in Cleveland, or is it Nick Blankenberg's, or is Nick Blankenberg's time in Columbus going to end as a trade piece come February? Listen, right again, he's playing with Good Branson tonight. Jake Bean is in this game again, too. Jake Bean is going to play with Adam Boquist. I'm just going to give you the opinion from what I've seen so far in the games that I've been to. I think Jake Bean is being, giving, uh, is being given a ton of opportunity here. He's been uh, put out there with a ton of responsibility. He's getting uh, a ton of playing time. Uh, they put him in spots where he's the guy running the point on the power play. And... I just, I think it's been over, or no, wait, I used the wrong word. I think it's been underwhelming to this point. Maybe I was going to say the responsibility me seems to be overwhelming to him, but I think he has been underwhelming to this point. Now, again, I look at it one way, you look at it one way, 
the management, the coaches might look at it another way, okay? And they might look at it as a guy that's got a pretty big number contract too, so you never know. But let's take that out of the equation here for just a moment. Um, I think Blankenberg has played better than Jake Bean, and especially in the games when they have played together like they did against Pittsburgh in the first game, like they did against Washington the other night. Um, Nick has found a way to make himself visible. Jumping up in the play, um, the decisions, it just it seems as though the, the decisions, he, he's, he's not holding back. He's not holding back. He, he's here. I, he just seems to me like his mindset is, if I'm not going to make this team, it's sure not going to be because I didn't play my game. I'm playing my game. So I, I like how he's played. I think it looks very similar to how he was last year when he came in here out of college. And if he starts as the, uh, the left side on the third pair defense, it won't shock me in the least. I think this is a big game for him tonight, playing with Kid Branson. I do, because let's say that's the spot that he's going to be in. So let's see how they work together. Let's see what he does. And doing it tonight against a very good Carolina Hurricanes team, they got a lot of their big guys in their lineup tonight. So I think this is a, uh, I think this is a big game for him. Somebody else had something about uh, Blankenberg here, I thought. Oh, here it is. Troy is the worst. Here's what he said. Let's play a game. Bean, Boquist, Blankenberg. Play one, bench one, trade one. <laughs> All right. All right, Troy. Th- these are the options you're giving me, so here's here's what I would say. Um, I would uh, – see, if you're going to give me just these three options for three these three guys – I would play Boquist, I would bench Blankenberg, and I would try to trade Bean. Again, that contract's going to get in the way. But um, that's what I would go with. And why would you go with Boquist if that's your question? If that's your next question on top of your mind or top of your head, then I, I would just say because Adam Boquist is a really good offensive defenseman, had 11 goals last year, didn't even play the full season because of injuries. Uh, he's more motivated this year to stay healthy and to even put up more points. So for that reason, I would play him. But I guess if I, you know, if the three that you give me, I've got to play two of the three, really. I can't bench one, but that's not the way your question reads, Troy. So I answer the question that you give me. It's really all I can do. Let's go back to uh, Twitter spaces. And uh, coming up next with his live question, welcome Jordan to today's Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Ohio Health. Hello, Jordan. Uh, good to see you, Bob. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Especially on me being 30, as always. Kind of a kind of a special day, but uh, what are your thoughts on today's lineup between, you know, with Max Domi with the Hurricanes? What do you expect this team, you know, Max Domi's not with the Hurricanes anymore. You know that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. My bad. Yeah. My question would be, like, how do you think uh, the chemistry is with Thune and, of course, Judge together, even though with line A moving a different, like, with him on a different pairing line with Tim Johnson and Johnny Gaudreau, how do you think Boo Jenner's going to do with, like, maybe the other guys like Ross Levick and Nyquist for tonight's lineup? Well, I don't think – you know, don't make any assumptions as to where Boone Jenner's going to play. Don't assume that Boone Jenner's not going to play between 
Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau. Although we right. can't we can't prove anything because we haven't seen Boone play in any of these games yet. But I don't do not make the assumption that what you have seen so far is what you are going to see come opening night because I don't think that's the case at all. I I still think that that's uh, Boone Jenner's job to lose. And when I say to lose, I don't he may not even lose it. I mean they they might find that he's a better fit somewhere else. Cole Sillinger comes back in tonight. I said this weeks ago uh, if he got the opportunity to get in between those two guys, it wouldn't shock me. But again, we've seen Kent Johnson there. And last week when I did this show, we had just watched Kent play in a game against Pittsburgh with those two guys, and it looked like uh, that works too. So there's lots of options. Boone's going to fit well with whoever he, he plays with because everybody knows what Boone Jenner does. He just goes straight to the net every single time. You know that you can just put the puck on net because Boone's going to be there and – he's going to look for that rebound goal, that dirty goal, as they say. Um, he'll get along with anybody. He'll be able to play with anybody on this team. It won't be any issue whatsoever. Uh, of any concerns that I have, I almost said none of them involve, involve Boone Jenner, but that's not true. The only concern I have with Boone Jenner is where is he health-wise? You know, he's skating. He just hasn't played yet. He hasn't taken any contact yet from what I've seen. Um, but that could mean absolutely nothing. As far as how he's going to play when he plays, he's going to play the same way that you've seen him play ever since he got drafted into this organization. There will be nothing different about the way Boone Jenner plays. Back to Twitter here. Optimistic Blue Jackets fan says, do you get the sense that Gus Nyquist will re-sign in Columbus at a team-friendly number, or do you think the Blue Jackets will use that cap space elsewhere? It just depends. There's, there's a lot of things that factor into that. You know, will Gus Nyquist be here past the trade deadline? I think that depends whether or not you're in the hunt yourself. Uh, if you are and if he's a big part of it, then you're not going to let him go. If you're not and there's a team that is willing to give you something so that they can get a player with his experience, then I think that you'll make that move at that time. That doesn't mean that he couldn't come back in the summer. He has continuously stated how much he likes it here. Uh, how much he loves the group that he's playing with here. So it wouldn't shock me if he took a uh, hometown discount, as they say, a team-friendly contract at some point. But again, right now, it well, right now he's hurt. He, he got injured. He got banged up. He's day-to-day after getting banged up in that game the other night against the Washington Capitals. So um, that is going to be a wait and see. But that could go so many different directions. Um, you know, who's pushing? It when you're talking about using that money in a different way, if you have a younger player that is just pushing him out of that spot as the season goes along, then you have to uh, take that into consideration, right? You just have to. You want those older guys. You want those veteran guys. But I I could see it either way. I could see Gus uh, taking a team-friendly contract and staying here and continuing to make his home here and all that stuff. Or I could see... Uh, somebody pushing him out of that role as it goes along. I I don't know. That's why, as the uh, cliche goes, that's why you play the games, right? So you can figure all this stuff out. And um, that's one of the things that's going to be figured out as we go along. All right, let's get into the uh, <laughs> Chikrin stuff. Kyle Muir, Jacob Chikrin, yay or nay? His injury history scares me. Problems with his knees, shoulders, ankle, and wrist. 
Uh, let's say, hypothetically, the Chikrin is coming. What is the most you would be willing to give up for him? Rumor is a first-round pick and a couple of players. Um, Chikrin, yay or nay? I'm looking nay right now. Um, things change so much, right? If that would have happened at the draft, I probably would have been more into it than I am now. We've seen some of the younger guys play now, the draft picks. Um, we've seen Juracek. He's still with the club. Saw Denton Matejchuk play and uh, got a glimpse at what those two guys might bring you in what could be the near future. Uh, don't forget, Corson Kulamans is out in uh, Wisconsin. Haven't seen him. Saw him at the development camp in the summer, but haven't seen him in one of these camps yet. So uh, there are there are options. Um, it's great that, you know, as the story goes, Chikrin wasn't excited about coming to the Blue Jackets, and then they got Johnny Gaudreau, and then he was excited about coming to the Blue Jackets. So it's great that he had a change of heart and a change of mind, um, if that's what happened. But, yeah, he does have a long list of injuries. I don't think he's played more than 68 games in a year. I know he's 24 years of age, so there's a lot of upside there. But still, um, ah. I don't know. And, again, the cost would factor into it. I mean, can you get away with a first-round pick that you can draft protect, that you can, you know, make sure if it, by some crazy notion that everything blows up and you wind up in the first, you know, one of the uh, lowest three teams, you, you want to draft uh, protect that. You want to lottery protect that. That's the number I'm looking for. I never win that thing. That's why I can't remember the number. But uh, you'd want to protect that for sure. And then what would you have to give up? Well, it, in a uh, perfect world, wouldn't it be beautiful if you could package uh, a Jake Bean and an Emil Bemstrom and a first-round pick and, and get that? But that's just that's pie in the sky. That's not going to happen. So uh, you would probably have to give up. Maybe you have to give up one of those uh, young defensemen that I mentioned to get it done. And, you know, if if you did – and this is today, and this is me seeing the guy for all of 10 minutes. But if it was today, Kuhlman's is the guy that I would put into it because I've just seen more from the other two guys because they've been here and they've been playing in this camp. So anyway, that's the answer to your question. But I'm not a – I would have been more excited about that in the past than I am in the present. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, let me see what else that I have here. Um, Rico G. Wondering where you see Chinikov ending up to start the season. I think he's shown in the preseason he should get a slot, but uh, does the bottom six minutes serve him better than the top line in Cleveland? And who goes out if he goes in? Well, again, I talked about him a little bit here. Uh, that's a good question. The, the question of top line minutes, third line minutes, it's a decent question. It's a fair question. And it's something that should always be taken into consideration. And it's also something that I've so much changed my mind on just watching how the game has evolved the last couple of years and the players that are young and getting into the league right away and kind of developing while they're in the National Hockey League instead of going to the American Hockey League. I still think it's better for them to go there, but, but this guy was here almost all of last year. Uh, he understands the system. He understands his teammates. I think that goes a long way. And what he's done in the preseason, again, has not made you think that uh, maybe he needs to go to Cleveland. So, 
bottom six. It, look, the, the NHL isn't what it used to be, right? It used to be your top two lines are your scoring lines. Your third line was a checking line, and your fourth line had a bunch of fighters on it. But now every line is a scoring line, and it's the fourth line that basically leans more toward checking. And if you happen to have a tough guy, he's going to be on the fourth line. But it's not like it used to be. Now it's the top nine guys are scoring or scoring guys. So if you're going to look at the top three lines as scoring lines, there's no reason that Chinikov can't play on the third line. And here's something else you know, but it's my job to remind you, when the team is playing well and when they're winning and when the coach can do this, and John Tortorella did it and Brad Larson does it too and any other coach does it when they can, you just roll the lines. You just roll them. So you don't need your top line playing a lot more than your third line in a perfect world. You don't get a perfect world every night. I get it. But if your three lines, top three lines are supposed to be scoring lines and things are going well, you can do that. So that's not going to cut into his minutes. Plus, plus he's a power play guy on this team. He's a second unit power play guy, but he is a power play guy. So again, all of those things factor in. And, and I think give him another uh, – I, I think that those things give him an advantage maybe that some other players don't have, that power play thing especially, especially when he's scoring. When, it, when he's got that touch going, that is uh, – that's really an advantage for him. All right, what else do I have here? I have this question from Liz. Liz says – I watched the new Behind the Battle released last week. Any insight on how to interpret what it means to look like a bag of milk? I didn't watch the episode, Liz. So I don't know who said it. I don't know the context that it was used in. But the way I would interpret it is that you're probably not in the greatest shape. I mean, what is a bag of milk? Right? A bag of milk is uh, you grab a hold of it, and uh, it just kind of moves around somewhere else. The bag falls over on itself. You know what I mean? So that's my interpretation of it. Uh, You know it's a Canadian thing because, Liz, when's the last time you bought a bag of milk? If you're Canadian, you probably have. We tend to buy it in a jug here. So, um, again, I didn't see it. I don't know how it was used. But I would say that's somebody that uh, is considered to be soft and and maybe even a little bit out of shape. That's my guess. That's what I, in my educated time in the game, that's that's what I come up with for you. Anthony Moore says, with Cole Sillinger and Boone Jenner being held out of the preseason so far this year, is it likely neither of them will start on opening night to give them more time? Well, Anthony, talked about this a little bit ago. Cole is playing tonight, so I think that will get him on track to where he needs to be to start the season. I think he'll be ready. And for Boone, again, it's precautionary. They talked about it before camp that they were just going to um, give him as much time as he needed. They were going to keep him out of situations. They didn't want anything to happen to him. So from that standpoint, it doesn't surprise me that he hasn't played. Um, again, that being said, you'd like to see him play like to see him play a couple here, and um, maybe we will. Maybe we will uh, have to do that. Uh, what else do I have here? Oh, some of you have gotten really creative. You're just sending your questions right within the direct messages. So, thankfully, 
I checked that here. Um, what do I have there? Have this from Stanley. Wonder if Jonas Corposalo will be starting the season on injured reserve. He still has not played at all in the preseason, and we signed another goalie to a contract. Okay, that other goalie, yes, they did sign Nolan Lalonde to a contract. That's not going to have anything to do with what happens with um, with this roster. He's going to play in junior. Uh, he earned his contract, by the way. He really did earn his contract. So good for him, but that that signing is that's something completely separate. I don't know the Corpusalo is going to be ready for the start of the regular season. As a matter of fact, my guess is you're going to have Merzlikens and Tarasov here to start together at the beginning of the year, and that's not a bad combination by any means. It is not. Daniil Tarasov is going to start tonight in Carolina. I had a chance to uh, talk with him a little bit this morning. He's really excited about playing that game. He's um, he's pumped up because he's healthy, number one. And also, if you recall, uh, that's the team that he was facing when he got hurt last year. He's playing against the Carolina Hurricanes on opening, uh, opening day. Jeez. New Year's Day. <laughs> the opening day of the year. That's what it was. Um, so, anyway, he's pretty – He's pretty excited about it. But if uh, if it's him and Merzlikens at the beginning of the year, that is not going to surprise me whatsoever. corpusalo has been practicing, so he's, um, you know, it's. I don't think it's going to be anything long-term, but I don't know that he's going to be ready to start on opening night. Uh, what else do I have here? I have uh, an email, an unsigned email, by the way. It says, I have a fan experience question for you. Have you had a chance to see the puck tracking technology being tested this preseason? I saw it on the broadcast against the Blues, and it just seemed to be too much. The streaks it created while tracking the puck made me think there were broken sticks on the ice. That coupled with highlighted names above the player's head who just passed it, a player who has the puck and sometimes where a good shooter is just seems like too much going on. Anyway, I'm not sure if you have seen it, but wanted to get your thoughts and see what you think if you have. All right, I haven't seen it. Obviously, I didn't watch it against St. Louis. I know what you're talking about. I've seen the examples of it uh, when we were at the broadcast meetings a couple of weeks ago. They uh, they gave us examples of this. Um, I think that I think the teams and I think that um, the the uh, I think that Bally's. I don't know so much. ESPN and Turner, but probably to an extent, all of them are going to try to be trying to be figure. Uh, I can't speak. They are all going to be attempting to figure out what to use and when to use it. I think they are just kind of testing a lot of things right now. It's preseason, right? You can take a look at a lot of things, and then you can go back as you did and say that's too much. That's too much. We got to we got to back this off a little bit. And I think that's what you'll find happening uh, as we go along. There's a lot of good information. I don't know if you've seen the scoreboard, if you've been to any of the home games, um, but now on the scoreboard at the arena while the game's going on, there's a lot of different in, uh, information there. Like uh, each player I saw the other day, you know, the speed that they were skating on their last shift, um, the uh, the total amount of distance they've skated so far in a game. Like somebody had 1.8 miles and, uh, so there's there's just now there's with the player tracking, there's so much information. Everybody's going to have to figure out what to use, when to use it, and not to overload your brain or your eyes even 
with uh, too much of it. So I, I think it'll I think it'll back down. But I know what you're talking about, and and I think everybody will. Uh, I think everybody will figure it out eventually. Uh, Ellie says, what are your predictions on how Gaudreau will do this year? And then says, apologizing if you already talked about this. I didn't, Ellie. You, you have no idea how much I have not talked about Johnny Gaudreau. It's amazing to me. Amazing to me. We're spending time on Carson Myers and uh, Nick Blankenbergs and have not talked a lick about Johnny Gaudreau. Now, there's a reason for that. Johnny is going to make the team. This just in. Johnny is going to make the team out of training camp. So, uh, and he's only played one preseason, preseason game so far. So, that's probably why we haven't talked a lot about him. But I'll talk about him for you. How do I think he's going to do this year? Everybody says he's not going to come close to what he did last year because he won't have the same players around him that he did last year. And from the outside looking in, it is uh, the center position that a lot of people think is going to hold him back from having a big year. It's not Patrick Laine. It's not Patrick Laine. You know, he had Matthew Kachuk last year, and, and he was great. He's a different player than Patrick Laine. But, you know, Johnny and Patrick, they showed in the one game they played together so far in this preseason, they clicked pretty well. So, um, uh, but I don't think the center position is going to be as, uh, as much of a problem as people from the outside think. Boone Jenner would have had 30 goals last year had he not gotten hurt. He would have, just a fact. And, um, you know, if he's playing in between those guys, he's going to factor in on a lot of those goals, and he's going to get a lot of points. And I, So, will he get the same amount of points? Uh, uh, that's that's tough. That, that's tough to predict because he was on what, for the most part, was a pretty elite team last year. And then, you know, and, and this one is still building in that way, but I – I don't see a huge fall off. Let me put it that way. I don't. I don't see it being like, oh my goodness, how do you have forty points less or anything like that? So we shall see. But I think he's going to do fine. Quite honestly, I, I because I think he and Patrick are going to just dazzle people, just dazzle them. Heather says, uh, "Who is David Yurichek competing with for a spot on this Blue Jackets roster?" Uh, Blankenberg, Bean. Those guys, um, you know, but he's young, and he doesn't need to be here right now. I think he's going to be here sooner than later, like probably next year. If not next year, then definitely in two years. The question with David is going to be, what do you do with him? Do you send him back over to check to play in the men's league again like he did last year, which they can do? Do you send him to Cleveland? You're going to have to use his, um, you know, his contract to send him to Cleveland and burn a year, but – is it better off for him to go there and learn the North American game in North America and be within the system? I would say yes. Earlier I was saying, well, the guy doesn't necessarily need to be in the AHL. That's not true with David Yurchek. I, I think that would be a great option for him if they're willing to do that. So um, those are the guys he's competing with. In, in many ways, Heather, he's competing with himself because he's just got to get used to the game over here and how it operates, but I've liked what I've seen from him so far. He's big. He can't teach size, as the saying goes, and uh, I think he's adapting pretty well here. Ed says, where do you see the Blue Jackets in terms of their ability to make the playoffs relative to where you thought they would be a year ago? Ed, that's a lot of words. That That's a lot of words to say, do you think they'll make the playoffs? A lot of words, but I get what you're saying. Um 
where do I see them? Their, I, their ability to make the playoffs? Listen, I, I think they have uh, a really good chance of being in the mix. I think Carolina is probably going to be elite in this division. Um, Pittsburgh and Washington, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I keep waiting for them to age out. It doesn't seem like it ever happens. The Rangers are up and coming now, so that's four teams. So it's going to be hard. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I, I, I just think it's going to be hard. you got to play well. I don't think you can get behind the eight ball at the beginning. I think you have to have a decent start to the year. The schedule is uh, not favorable for you at the beginning, but you got to overcome it and uh, get off to a decent start. But, you know, where they were last year, they started off so well, and they were in the hunt, if you will, until January, which is still three months away from when the playoffs start. But they were there. They were surprising people. So they have that ability. Uh, They have that – they believe in themselves, which is huge. I don't care what you say. Like, show me the team that doesn't believe in itself, and I'll show you a bunch of losers that have no chance of winning. Show me a team that, even if they're under-talented, that believe in themselves, and I'll show you a team that can overcome and get some wins that they shouldn't. So um, I think it's it's very possible that they find a way into the mix this year. And if it doesn't happen and if they come up short, then, you know, you ask me this question a year from now, and I'll tell you it's a lock. I mean, depending what happens this year. I mean, if two guys were to all of a sudden have career-ending injuries, that would change the whole ball of wax, right? But anyway. That's that's what I'm saying. Ed, I think uh, I think they have a, a pretty good chance, but they're going to have to overcome. You're going to have to knock some of those big boys off the mountain if you want to be able to get into the playoffs here in the Metropolitan Division. Tyler says, I feel like I have seen a lot of hockey media and analysts projecting the Blue Jackets as a bottom two to three team, and oddly enough, a lot of people projecting New Jersey as a lock in above the Blue Jackets, even though they were a full 18 points back last season. What could be the reasons for this write-off? Well, Tyler, kind of what I was just saying, uh, basically, the Blue Jackets always get treated like this. And I've said this on this show. I know I said it. I don't know if I said it since camp opened. I know I said it back in June and July. Listen, I don't believe in the New Jersey Devils until the New Jersey Devils make me believe in them. I don't care that they've got Jack Hughes. I don't care they have Nico Heischer. I don't care they got that other kid that plays at center whose name's eluding me at the moment here. Um I just their goaltending is what kept them behind the Blue Jackets last year. The Blue Jackets had better goaltending. Now, they think that they've solved that. And I don't think that they've solved that. We'll see. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. But I I expect them to be a very similar team than they were last year. And and I expect the Blue Jackets to be a similar team to the way they were at the beginning of last year and maintain much more. I, I think the Blue Jackets learned a lot. And the Devils would say the same thing. Well, we learned a lot. We did a lot of things. But I, I just I can't I can't buy into the Devils. I might eat those words. I really might, but I just can't buy into the Devils, uh, and I don't see it. But it's an easy pick. Remember this too: when you're seeing a lot of that stuff, a lot of those people are coming from the New York metropolitan market, right? So take that with a grain of salt. How many people are they asking in the Midwest to go on the shows that are talking about this stuff? Not many. Not many. So. That factors in, too. I don't care what you say. That factors in, too, for sure. All right, I've got to get uh, I got to get ready to get on a plane here. But I will take one more on Twitter spaces. Peyton, you're the lucky one. Hello. Hey, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Not too bad. 
Um, just curious. Uh, I've only been watching hockey for about five years, so I don't know all the nuances about it. But I see that Elvis catches with his left hand, and so does Corbisalo. Um, and I see a lot of other goalies catch that way. Is that by design, or have you seen a whole lot of right-handed catching goalies in your time? It's uh, Peyton. It's simply like baseball. They're right-handed. And okay. so they use their dominant hand to control the stick, and they catch with the other hand, just like a, a shortstop. He's throwing the ball with his right hand, and he's catching with the left hand. I've, I've seen maybe one goalie in the last five years catch with their right hand. Yeah, actually. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like an anomaly. Right, right. Actually, I think uh, Charlie Lindgren, who was playing the other night for Washington, catches with the right hand. And uh, when Steve Mason was here, Steve Mason was a left-handed guy who caught with his right hand. Um, it gives you a little bit of a wrinkle because you become so accustomed to shooting in the same places on goalies, and then all of a sudden the, the blocker pad's on the other side, and uh, and where you might go, you have to change it up on guys. But uh, it, it really simply is right-handed or left-handed. It's that simple. Yeah, it's almost like a left-handed quarterback in football. Yep. You have to adjust everything. Your right tackle is now your best pass blocking tackle the spiral goes different exactly are different exactly and when you're watching it on tv you have to think about it different because it just looks weird right it does look weird <laughs> it's like what's wrong with that guy oh he just throws with the other hand okay but it, um, it does look weird yeah but that's that's really that's really all it is to it. it's very simple uh follow-up question um i i've heard a lot of talk you know about centers and who's going to be playing center why isn't sean corrali getting a solid look at something higher than the fourth line. Well, because uh, his role is the fourth line, but but Sean is a guy, he doesn't have to play higher in the lineup during the preseason because everybody knows that if they need him to do that during the season, he can just do it. So they're not, you know, they're not going to, uh, he's not going to be talked about as being a first line or second line guy. Uh, he's going to be a fourth line player, but you suffer a couple of injuries or somebody's really ineffective he can step up there and, and he can handle that. Can he handle it for the entire season uh, or can he handle it for a short period of time? You know, it, over his career, it, it's been deemed that his his best spot is down there on the fourth line and playing the checking role and all of that. But uh, So they don't need to play him any higher. They know they know exactly what they have in Sean Corrali. If they need something different, they know what he can uh, do for them uh, in a pinch. Not that Sean's a bad. But if he is a first line centerman for the Jackets, I think they're in a they're in a little bit of trouble. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, you're exactly right. And you know, some people would say that about Boone Jenner. No offense to Boone, but you know, some of his best days have been as a, a winger, where he can just bang and crash in this league. But Boone was a center and junior, and and he uh, has done a good job of playing that position. Like, you know, if you had to, let's say, let's just say Kent Johnson all of a sudden becomes this great centerman that. They think that he was going to be, and now you have um, Johnson and Sillinger and Roslevic. Then that either puts Boone on the fourth line or puts him back at wing on another line. So you know it's kind of it's a similar situation. Boone's just look; they have a need, and Boone has been able to help them uh, fill that need for the moment. And so that's the way they roll with him. And and it's it's great to have those guys. Trust me. And it's great. It's a great problem to have. You just don't know where to put everybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like uh, you got to fit them in somewhere. Put the puzzle together. Thank you, Peyton. I appreciate it. All right, have a good day, Bob. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it because I've got to go. I, I really have to go. I have to go put on the suit and I have to uh, get out of here.
go to Carolina. Got to go to Carolina and uh, watch the Blue Jackets take on the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. That's a game that gets underway at 7 o'clock. Our pregame coverage starts at 645 on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus, the flagship station of the Blue Jackets radio network. Dylan Tyre will join me there in Carolina. I'm going to Carolina in my mind. Oh, I'm actually going there too. I will talk to you next time here.